0: I have a great show for you today. I'll help you live a full life. I'll also be interviewing author Neil Grace, who has led a fascinating life of living in the woods for months, backpacking to over 35 countries, and who later forged a career in the business world that made him a millionaire. He reviews his book, Fresh Eyes Upon the World, that incorporates his life experiences to teach us that life's problems can be lessened by being calm and open to the world around you. For more information about Neil, please visit neilgrace.com. You may also purchase his book on Amazon or in the previous guest products in both stores at either James Miller, or Lifeology.tv. I have some exciting news. Did you know that I'm on the radio three times a week? You may hear me on the same station on Tuesdays at 1.30 p.m. Fridays at 9:30 a.m. and Saturday at 12:30 p.m. You may also hear me anytime on iHeartRadio as well as on all the other major podcasting platforms including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher and many others. Simply search for the show name James Miller Lifeology or simply go to James jamesmillerlifeology.com. If you're anything like me, you'll love to read. Lifeology and Audible.com have partnered to offer you an incredible opportunity. Audible is offering you one free book download with a free 30-day trial. This is perfect for those of you who love to read but often don't have time to enjoy your favorite pastime. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to start your free trial. They have over 180,000 books from all genres, so I'm pretty confident your favorite author's books will be there. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible and start listening to your favorite book today. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to get started today. Living a Fulfilled Life We all have hopes and dreams that we one day hope to accomplish. But the problem is, life happens and those goals and dreams are put in the back burner. We still want to do certain things, but we put it off for the next day and the next day and the next day, and pretty soon, we reflect on our life and sometimes it's full of regret. Many people have bucket lists. A bucket list is a list that's full of activities, of things you want to accomplish or things you want to do before you pass. And this is a wonderful concept, but once again, sometimes those activities are too great and we think, well, I don't have time to do it this year, maybe next year, or there's not enough planning time for it, and pretty soon, that bucket list is just simply a wish list there's no activity or no energy that's put behind it to accomplish that list. What if we were to create lists of things we could do every month or things we'd like to do within a year? Now, I don't mean a new year's resolution. I just simply mean ways in which we can accomplish things that are outside of the norm that we typically don't do every day. We all have life responsibilities and sometimes those responsibilities become all that we think about, all we do. We forget that there was a time when we were adventurous. So how different would your life be should you have these small mini bucket lists of ways in which you can enjoy the world around you? Now, they don't have to be extravagant, like climbing Mount Everest or skydiving, but it could be something different. Perhaps go on a weekend vacation. Perhaps spend time with some friends you haven't seen in a while. Perhaps read a book that you've been wanting to read for a long time or research information about a topic you've really been interested about. The point is, when we allow life's responsibilities to be all that we see or all that we experience, we forget that life is meant to be lived. It's meant for us to thrive in it. What can you do different this week? What can you do different this day? I always tell people, if you're struggling in life, simply go outside and look at everything around you. For example, if you're struggling with depression or sadness or it's really hard for you to find joy in your life, I challenge you to see a mother and a baby together the way the baby laughs and giggles, and the love that the mother has for that child, you'll find you instinctively have a smile on your face. You'll find it automatically generates joy in your life. Simple things like that allow us to live life on our terms. But if we get too stuck in our head, or too stuck in our house, or too stuck in all the responsibilities we have, life becomes a chore. I'm really excited about this lesson. Because when you think about mini bucket lists that you can do every single day or every single week, you'll find that you look forward to those experiences. And the more often you do it, the more of it you want to do. And the more of it you want to do, the more it fills your life with purpose. And the more purpose you have, the more fulfilled your life will be. I have a fantastic interview with Neil Grace, who talks specifically about this. He teaches you ways in which you too can live your life to the fullest. So stay tuned. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com or lifeology.tv and sign up for the free weekly recap. Some people develop life's philosophy by studying the great philosophers. However, my guest, Neil Grace, developed his by living passionately. He traveled to 35 countries, spending time in a psychiatric ward, and wandering Moscow at night while eluding the KGB. He worked at over 50 different jobs and was nearly destitute for many years before becoming a millionaire. He's here today to discuss his book, Fresh Eyes Upon the World, that incorporates his life experiences to teach us that life's problems can be lessened by being calm and open to the world around us. Welcome to my show, Neil. Well,
1: thank you very much, James. I really am glad to be here.
0: I am as well. When when your PR person sent me your pitch, I was like, oh my goodness, this man has done so many things and experienced so much that I definitely wanted to have you on my show. How did you even get into, or I guess, how did you know that you wanted to travel the world? Well, I think from a very
1: uh, early age, I was extremely curious about everything. I was fascinated by life. Uh I was a little confused, as all children are, and couldn't relate to a lot of the traditional orthodox uh, uh, methods and systems. So I was um, kind of a a pre-determined uh, or a rebel, so to speak, <laughs> and that I wanted to explore life on my own terms. I was very autonomous, uh-huh. very adventurous. I wanted to see things. I was fascinated with everything. And more importantly, James, I wanted to learn about myself through these external experiences. And I was really compelled to do things that most of my contemporaries did not do. I was really a risk taker mm-hmm. and I wanted to live that's and I was very passionate, very sensitive and very emotional. So I wanted to see the world. I, you know, I grew up in the 50s and television was uh, the the system through which I could view the outside world. But I wanted to go there myself. I wanted wow. to see what these places were like.
0: Yeah. And obviously, it's very different today for travel than it was back then as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that, that so much of what the conditioning
1: process is, is that it's really our responsibility, meaning all of our, all individuals, the onus is on us to discover who we are mm-hmm. uh, emotionally, psychically, energetically, spiritually, psychologically, without succumbing to the conditioning process, to the programming or the propaganda that's being bombarded all the time. So I think I wanted to remove those lenses, those myopic lenses, so to speak, and really see the world for what it is, unencumbered, without preconceptions.
0: You know, thinking of that from a little boy, as you realize that you were, I suppose, that preconceived or that predetermined rebel, but to have that understanding that you wanted to understand the world in your terms, or you wanted to experience life that was different than perhaps other people, that that's pretty introspective of you overall. Yes. When you reflected yes. on that, even now today, did you find that there were specific times that you experience, I mean, for example, wandering Moscow at night, but did you find that there were specific events that really shaped who you are?
1: Well, yes, I think the, the more intense and the more dramatic a painful, scary, struggling situation is, a predicament is, the more it, it catalyzed me to become awakened to mm-hmm. life itself. Mm-hmm. And I was, very, I was in India in 1978. I got very sick in the Kashmir, drinking uh, tainted water. Oh, gosh. Uh, inadvertently, of course. Of course. And I, I ended up in a, a hospital in Moscow and i was at death's door and this was extremely traumatic and and terrifying for a, a young man in his 20s and it really i said to whomever, whatever, my in my prayers, I said, if I ever survive this thing, I'm going to love life so fully <laughs> and so fervently and every day just celebrate the, and ceremoniously the gift of life. Yes. And it really kind of awakened me. So those kinds of experiences, even though most of us will dread those things, mm-hmm. you know, the, the harshness, the difficulties in life, the suffering, those things can really become a platform that will launch us into a higher place of gratitude, appreciation, and holding life as a sacred experience.
0: I really like that because it helps people recognize that things are either a stumbling block or a stepping stone. In that moment of reflection, you realize for yourself that this could allow you to exponentially grow or in a self-development way, or you could allow it to, to, mm-hmm. like you said, to encumber you or to cause you to to get lost in your woe and in your suffering and not realize that this was a wonderful opportunity for you now to experience life on your terms.
1: Absolutely. But I'm, I want to just emphasize, I'm not a, uh, an advocate for go out and find misery. Of course, <laughs> yes. I, love life. I appreciate you joy, saying that. <laughs> joy promoting an individual. Yes. <laughs> I think joy and beauty and harmony and happiness are, are, are the touchstones of who we really
0: are. Yes. And that's a great point to say, because life is going to happen to every single person. It doesn't matter if you're consider a quote, good person or quote, bad person, life and circumstances will always happen to us. I wanted to transition into your book, Fresh Eyes Upon the World. Why don't you give us the synopsis of this book? Well,
1: I wrote this book. It's a compilation of all of my experiences. Very relevant, very profound questions that are applicable to almost all of us uh, in life. Mm-hmm. And I give very short, very concise answers uh, why these things exist. Uh, I try to illuminate the insights. And also then I offer solutions yeah. what can be done. And the reason I wrote this book is my sole intention was to help people to Get back to humanitarian values, Mm -hmm. to find more peace and joy in their lives, to be uh, more understanding and compassionate toward themselves, to be the the custodian of themselves, because I think there's so much turmoil, so much no, tumult, sure so is. much misery and conflict and grief in the world. We need more than ever at this pivotal crossroads in our destiny, in our history, we need to put our lives together individually and hopefully collectively as a society. Yes. And the purpose of the book is to remind people how precious it is to be alive and to cultivate really good values. So, and it doesn't take a lot of uh, uh, complication or uh, ferreting out what what life is all about. Mm-hmm. It's not esoteric or cryptic, it's very simple. What's the good thing to do? What, how can I serve myself? How can I serve others? How can I make everyone a beneficiary of my actions and my behavior? This is so paramount in our lives today. And the book encapsulates this in very clear and very profound ways. So I really want to help inspire people to love life, to find the sanctity in every moment, and to be fully
0: alive. You could definitely hear the passion in your voice about that, and that's a beautiful thing. Could you give us some of the techniques of how you help people kind of revert back to the humanitarian aspect of one's life and so they don't get caught up in the divisiveness of the world? Well,
1: It's a little difficult to do it because there's no one specific material technique or methodology. Uh But the first thing I always recommend for people is that know yourself. Mm -hmm. Think about what you're doing. You have a mind. A mind is a great thing. (laughs) Be introspective. Look inside yourself. Get in touch with your feelings. Scrutinize what you're doing. Is this the best thing? Why did I do that? What is what is the impact of my actions? What are the consequences of my actions? Use your mind as an investigative tool to really explore the vastness of your interior self. That's one thing. The other thing you can do is meditate, mm-hmm. relax, walk in nature, get close to nature nature will revive you. It will heal you. It will rehabilitate you. It will enliven and galvanize you beautifully. And love beauty. Seek beauty, whether it's in literature, art, music, dance, whatever it may be. Seek beauty. And then the other thing you can do is be adventurous. Be willing to experiment with new things. You don't have to be wild. I'm not suggesting you go crazy. <laughs> Maybe I went a little crazy myself, but be a little wild sure. in who you are. Be adventurous. Be willing to expand the parameters that you have determined for yourself as who you are, because we're always in flux. We're yes. always changing. We're just an amazing momentum of a dance of cosmic forces without being too, uh, you know, esoteric or metaphysical. Sure. But we're always changing. And sometimes we identify with ourselves so much that we get fixed in our position. Be flexible. Be resilient. Be able to change and mutate and flow with the river of your own spirit, so to speak. And the way you can do that is read really good books, journal, visualize, talk to people, therapy. So many things are extremely useful and empowering you as an individual. And the more you're empowered, the more humble and gracious and grateful you are Mm -hmm. for the gift of life. And the more you can help serve not only yourself, but the world in which you live.
0: The foundation for a lot of the things that you said, when I agree with you hundred percent is we often get very, um, I guess we often live life on autopilot. We forget that, like you said, there's so many adventures around us. There's so much beauty around us. There's so many blessings around us. And when people do become so um, myopic, like you said earlier, in other words, so focused on what I have to do every single day, and that becomes an existing aspect of one's life instead of thriving or truly enjoying life, we forget that our job, for example, is our job. You know, it's not who we are. It's not our identity unless we let it be. And I really like to hear how yours is just simply your philosophy is slowing everything down and just being aware of what's around you. Is this the healthiest thing for me or is it not the healthiest thing for me? I think so many times people do get so caught up in so many difficult ways of, oh, I have to do this or I have to do that. And it just sounds so hard that we forget that it's just simply a thought, a way of how to live life in a different, more healthier and balanced way. Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. Well, life, that's that's a great point. Life is meant to be lived. Mm -hmm. And so many of us forget we get so one dimensional on our track that this is what we're doing is. A means to an end. Even yeah. money, money is a means to an end. It's just paper with printed with special exactly. ink. But we <laughs> we forget the greater perspective of these things because life is precious. Life is not to is not meant to trap us and to keep us in the mundane, su- superficial, surface existence life is meant we should delve into life yes. we should delve into these things with great compassion and passion and great zest and zeal because these things will uplift us and will bring us closer to what i call the essence of who we are and again life is meant to be lived and the more we kind of stay on that track we dig deeper burrow ourselves deeper into what i call is the self replicating uh, mm-hmm. journey which mm-hmm. is not really serving you and it's kind of an, an avoidance from getting in touch with the rawness of
0: life itself i agree with you 100 percent. i think that's a beautiful philosophy of what you just said as far as the takeaways and ways in which we can practice living life as opposed to once again existing the people listening right now who do you, who would be the specific people that need to read this book
1: um I don't mean to be uh, clever here, but everyone. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) Not children. I mean, they're not at that stage yet. But I think even young people, any person, old people, any person that wants to invite a greater broader of understanding, a greater scope of awareness Mm -hmm. of themselves and how they interact and interface with the world, because there are incredible Mm -hmm. questions, again, very germane questions about life itself that all of us have to confront Sometimes daily, so I think everyone will benefit, will gain something, and I'm my again. My purpose is I love to sell the book, but I don't need the money sure. from the book. I want to help bring about a healthier, happier, more stable world because the world we live in now, James, and you know, and everyone else knows, if you look objectively at the world, is very chaotic, mm-hmm. is very turbulent, and unfortunately, there's tremendous disparities and division, alienation and isolation. And there's ways we can heal this, but we have to take charge. So any person that reads the book is already on a path of getting his or her life together to live it a quality improvement that will absolutely be experiential for the person And also for everyone around that person.
0: Wow. I like that. I think that's really important. When I'm reviewing and reflecting on everything that we've talked about so far, you obviously live what you teach or what you preach or what you believe. You were very destitute when you were younger and then you became a millionaire. Did you incorporate the same philosophies that we're discussing today to move you from that state of destitute to being a millionaire?
1: Well, I wasn't actually destitute, but I was, I didn't have much, put it mm-hmm. that way. Okay. I was pretty uh, impecunious to say, mm-hmm. if you use a fancy <laughs> word. But uh, yes, I did. I And I, I really didn't work a full-time job until I was 32. And I went into the business world. I went into sales. I did very well. And I was very motivated. I was very galvanized to, and I saw that the latitude that financial uh, success could give me And I think it's important for everyone to have a balance. Mm -hmm. You know, we go, we can become so overwrought with emotion and fear and anxiety and insecurity about things, about money or about relationships, about anything. We need to keep a healthy balance to integrate a healthy philosophy about everything. And yes, I did apply that philosophy in my occupation, in my career, and it did provide me. With tremendous success, for mm-hmm. which I am immensely grateful. Mm, that's wonderful. But the most important thing success exists for everyone, no matter what level you are at. Don't use the criteria of society to judge yourself. Use the criteria of your own philosophy to decide who you are. And every one of us is a miracle of the cosmos. Yes. Every one of us is divinely endowed with a miracle of of the cosmos and who we are and how we express ourselves.
0: And from a very practical standpoint too, I think so many times people have this idea of what, what success means. And in in the Western world, a lot of it has to do with the material things. In other words, how much money you make or what kind of car you drive or what you do. And we've forgotten that success is really, in my opinion, the quality of life that one lives. Money comes and Mm -hmm. goes, all this comes and goes. And the reality is, is, when you create a quality of life, you find that a lot of those external markers don't really matter as much. I know for me, I um, had a very successful practice in the Washington, D.C. area, and I moved down here to Florida, and I started Lifeology. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I found for me, I wanted a different quality of life. And so my, the, the preface or the foundation for my new venture was I wanted to do whatever it was I was going to do as long as I had an internet connection. And that's how I started everything. And I was like, I just don't want to be tied to an office anymore. Congratulations. Thank you. you. You've succeeded. (laughs) You're right.
1: It's the quality of life that is everything. That supersedes all of these other external, rather temporary things. And again, we get caught up and we get swept into the societal euphoria or the pressure that society puts on us to say you should be this way and that way. Mm -hmm. Life is meant, and I said it three times, to be lived. (laughs) Yes. To be lived with great zest, with great enthusiasm. Life is a miracle, and we're only here for probably less than a century as far as we know, and I don't Mm -hmm. know about what happens afterwards. That's a whole other subject in the (laughs) book. But the point I'm making, James, is that the experience of life should reach a zenith of wonder mm-hmm. and awesomeness. You should feel great most of the time, and it's up to you. It's your responsibility, meaning when I say you or any person, right. to take the, the reins of your destiny and direct yourself in the place you want to go, toward the place you want to go, in such a way that it becomes a something of an exquisite splendor of awakening. Wow
0: that's beautiful, I love I love how you say that and you know and one thing as well is what legacy do you leave for the people around you, your family, your friends, for what will you be known when it is time for you to pass? you know, just like you and just like myself, I want to be known as someone who lived life to the fullest who who left with a flourishing finish. And that is something that's really important. But I love how you continually help us understand that life should be lived and not just existing in it. And so I I really hope my listeners hear what it is you're saying and obviously purchase your book, Fresh Eyes Upon the World. But your philosophy, it's very profound, but it's also very easy to live by. All it is is just a thought away and a Mm. thought away leads to another thought that's closer. And that's That's what's so
1: important. And it's logical. It's objective. Life does. It's not complicated. Life is can be a conundrum, but it doesn't. Things don't have to be complicated. We can reduce it down to its quintessential simple terms, so that we can relate to it. We can dive into it. It's like you can go to the edge of the the beach and look at the ocean. You can put your toes in the water and go in very tepidly, or you can dive into the <laughs> waves. When you dive into the waves, it's so exhilarating, so refreshing, so wonderful to the body and to the spirit. And that's what I want to remind people that everyone can do this no matter where you are. And it doesn't mean I'm sweeping away and ignoring the hardships of life. Sure. They are there they're always unquestionably, gonna... and we have to confront those and we have to deal and resolve those too, but live life. And what I want to be remembered for, and I don't mean to be um, slight about this, but I, it doesn't matter what people think. Mm. What really matters or how they remember me, I'm going to go, be gone into the next uh, realm of uh, of you existence, know, the cosmos, existence. <laughs> yeah. whatever it is a non-existence. <laughs> but what what is most important and what is vital is that I live my life, as you said, fully, happily, and I cherished everything to the best of my ability, and I express myself without encumbrance or inhibition. I was free. To be myself, Mm -hmm. I am an emancipator and and reminding everyone freedom is just one breath away. Certainly.
0: Well, Neil Grace, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on my show today. I'm truly inspired. And once again, thank you for your phenomenal wisdom. If my listeners would like to find out more information about you and to purchase this amazing book, Fresh Eyes Upon the World, where would they find this information online? I really
1: encourage people to go to my website, which is neilgrace.com, N-E-A-L-G-R-A-C-E, neilgrace.com. They can buy the book on Amazon. Uh, They can go to Grizzly Peak Press, my publisher. Amazon Books has it at a discounted rate. They can go to their bookstores and request it. So it's relatively easy to obtain the book.
0: Wonderful. Well, my listeners also know that if we're not able to find the book any other place, simply go to the previous guest sections and other stores at jamesmillerlifeology.com or lifeology.tv. Once again, Neil Grace, thank you so much for this wonderful time spending with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you, James. I loved it too. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today.